Welcome to the long-awaited return of the Get German Football News podcast. This week's episode will be our Euro 2020 special, and I'm sure that we'll talk about a few other topics along the way. For the next hour or so, I'm your host, Nathan Evans, and as always, I've been joined by our two German football experts in Drew Thompson and Tom Fenton. How are we both doing, boys? Long time no speak. Thomas and Nathaniel. Good to see you guys. You too. You too, guys. Good to be here. It's good to be back in it. Did we both enjoy the end of the Bundesliga? Well, obviously, Tom <laughs> uh, thinking about it, probably not, but action until the end, wasn't it? Standard. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was I was praying for Schalke to do the impossible, and as predicted, they didn't. Um, so that was wonderful watching them try and lump it to Sane uh, aimlessly for about the last 10 minutes of that game. So, <laughs> yep, it's been, a, it's been a good weekend. Obviously, I've got the uh, relegation playoff coming up, so not looking forward to that one as well on top, so that'll be fun. But yeah, um, there's only one place to start this episode, really, and that's with the breaking news that Bayern Munich boss Hansi Flick will take over the German national team duties after Euro 2020 from outgoing manager Joachim Löw. We obviously knew already that he was going to stand down as German boss after this upcoming championship that will, of course, end his 15-year reign in charge of the national side. And it seems that Flick was the man of choice for the DFB from the offset. Uh, Tom, since we've come back, you're always second. We'll come to you first. Uh, just thoughts on general on this appointment? Yeah, I think it makes sense for all parties involved. Um, I think for Flick himself, it's it's a bit like, what else can you hope to achieve with um, with Bayern? Um, you know, he's, he's pretty much won all there is to win, including even, you know, the World Club Cup. So if you can go on and, and try and cement that, you can try and, you know, emulate the Bayern of the 70s. But but I think realistically, this was always going to be the the obvious appointment. I think when it became clear that it wasn't going to be, you know, Klopp or Nagelsmann um, who were going to take this, this because, because <clears throat> excuse me, primarily because they have so much left to complete themselves in club football. I think it was the right appointment for Germany. Um, because you have really the the hub of the German team, the the spine of it already at Bayern, and they've already you know got a way of playing that I think you could replicate with the national team. Obviously, you need to find some kind of Lewandowski type figure to to be number nine. But yeah, I think it makes sense for all parties involved. And uh, you know, it, it's been such a long time that Germany have had Löw. They they need a bit of a uh, a fresh start. They need to to find a new way of playing. I think. And however things go this summer. Even if Germany do well, I can't imagine they'll be the best side to watch overall. Um, they, they do need someone to take them forward, give them a bit of a new image, uh, tweak a few things. And I think Flick is that man. He's, he's proven an ability to do that in a short period of time too. And if you think about what it is a, an international coach does, it's so much different to what, say, a Jurgen Klopp does, whereby you have all this time on the training pitch to establish a way of playing and you have all these hours to kind of get your tactics right and all these transfer windows to bring the right players. Whereas I, I think Flick at Bayern showed an ability to get the very, very best out of a out of a flawed team at times and um, to be able to move things around to work in his favour and, you know, use what has been given essentially, you know, I think of moving Alaba to centre-back next to Boateng and, and things like that that just worked out perfectly. And I think that's what an international coach needs to do. They need to manage manage resources. They need to use what they have and figure out a formula of winning when it matters most. And that's something that Flick has done time and time again. Even this season for Bayern, you know, they were up against it against Leipzig. Um, yes, Leipzig kind of threw it away of, of their own of their own accord, but you know, Bayern was still there and still won games and still closed it out in style. So, yeah, I think it's the obvious appointment. And again, it, it just works out for both sides and for all parties involved. And um, again, hopefully, uh, even if Germany do have a good tournament this this summer, hopefully Germany can then kick on and and, and really. Um, you know, become the side they were a decade or so ago because that does seem an awfully long time away now. Yeah, definitely. Like you mentioned, it's almost like a transition period for Germany at the minute. 
uh, Drew, is he the best man to take them through that for you? Yeah, I think so. I, um, Tom mentioned something that uh, I actually really agree with. The difference between international football and, and, and club football is simply you have to take the pieces that you're given over a small period of time and you have to get the best out of them. And I think that's, the, that for me, that's been, and I think everyone would agree, that's been the biggest issue with Yogi Love for, for so long now is that it's it's not been about the best pieces that, have, that, that fit the puzzle. It's been about his bias for certain players, even if they didn't fit what he was trying to achieve. Um, and you look at the squad, I know we're going to get onto it later, but then, you know, one thing for me is someone like Flick would, would look at the team. If you, if you were to give Flick the same Germany squad from the summer, I wouldn't be surprised if he went with something like Kimmich and Goretzka in midfield instead of what everyone was expecting to be Cruz and uh, Kimmich instead because of how well Goretzka and Kimmich play together. You want to take that understanding at club level and try to apply it into the system. And, and that's how you help get the best out of your players internationally is work off of the relationships they already have been utilizing at club level for however many years. So I think for me, that's why I think Flick ticks all the boxes. And I don't think anybody necessarily at first expected to want to come back into, into the Germany fold. But, you know, as Tom said, you know, once the bigger names um, kind of, you know, took themselves out of the equation, Flick's the only one that made sense. It's either going to be him or to have to be somebody who was already in the system um, who maybe understands so many players. But I, I think, it, it, yeah, it just makes total sense. And um, again, it's, I think Tom kind of covered it. It's, it's, at this point, he can't win anything else with Bayern. At this point, it's more of just keeping the dominance, which could prove difficult moving forward, depending on, on how Bundesliga goes. But um, I think getting Germany back to the pinnacle would, would be, and him being the main man in charge doing it, would I think would be a really big crowning achievement for a career he's had that's already been you know, quite good on by comparison. So. Yeah, he's 56 years old, uh, which I found quite staggering. I don't know why I thought he was younger than that. Um, if, of course, he's done a fantastic job with Bayern in the time he's been there. Uh, as a result, though, he was obviously linked with some big posts this summer, including Real Madrid and Barcelona at points, if uh, the media is to be reliable on that. Just because of that, Drew, if we stay with you, from his personal point of view, is this the right move for him? Is it something that maybe he could have gone to another club for a few years, then revisited? Or do you think it was a done deal from the offset when he got the chance? I think it was a done deal. Um... I mean, I, you could imagine that there was scope for him to go to a bigger club. Um, you know, Zidane's not going to be at Real Madrid. Obviously, you know, Flick could, he has the credentials to go to, to Madrid, just as an example. So that would have been arguably one of the very small handful of step-ups you can have from a Bayern. There's three of them in the world, and Real Madrid's probably one of them, just based off of size and scope and, and presence in the game and, and history type of players they can attract. So... I don't think there were, there were many options for him. I think it was either stay or go to one of the two or three bigger sides in the world, um, Germany or retire, obviously 56 years old, he's still wanting to give. So I think Germany makes sense. And if he didn't take the job now, I think by the time that he, if he went back, if he stayed in club management and, and waited maybe three or four years, I don't think the job would have been available at that point. Then you'd have to imagine that maybe Klopp would think about it at that point, another three, four years at Liverpool. He might, he might want to change the scenery. Who knows what's going to happen with Nagelsmann, you know, these kind of things. Another manager might come on and, and, and put himself you know, into the ring. So I think this just made perfect sense. He can always go from a stint with Germany for a couple cycles and then go back into club management if he wants to. By that point, you know, maybe, maybe he'll be 60, you know, uh, 61, 62. You might have a, a couple more years to give a management if he wants to. So I think this just made the most sense. I think it's, it's the right time because... When you're coming in off of a tenure that Love's had, and yes, there were some great successes in it, but there were also some astronomical failures, and we're going to come on to that you know, moving forward, I suppose. But as you said at the start, Germany are in a transition period, and a new direction really is needed. So I think he can really sort of take the reins now and really sort of mold the national team in his image and maybe bring to the national team again a lot of what Bayern is about. And then maybe that's kind of the shot of the arm. Maybe the national team kind of needs again. Um, I just, you just look at some of the performances they've put in. It's just been abject. Even when they win, as, as you say, they might do decently well this summer, but who's going to really enjoy watching them play? It, it's, these are the kind of things you have to call into question. So I kind of feel like this just, I think all the, the, the stars aligned and he takes all the boxes at the right time. And I think it's the perfect time for him to take it. 
Definitely. Well, just to wrap up this little bit before we get into the Euro 2020 side of things, um, did you two, if we come to you first this time, Tom, were there any other managers in mind that you thought may have been a good fit for the German national side after this summer? Not aside from the obvious two, really. Um, I, I was of the opinion for a long time that the only job Jürgen Klopp would, would leave Liverpool for would be either Germany or perhaps even go to Mainz or something like that. Um, and I thought that would be an interesting fit because of uh, you look at some of the players that Germany have, I think it would suit Klopp's style pretty well. Obviously, again, you can't really... It's the thing we're talking about. It's like you're not going to have that much time to implement your strategy and your tactics and all the things that you want to um, when you're a national team manager. So maybe it wouldn't suit him. But I do think just in terms of the players at his disposal, he can really get the best out of them, get a good tune out of Team Werner and those kind of guys. Um, but I, I don't. there's no other real candidate sort of leaping off the page to me in terms of... Um, in the Bundesliga or any other German managers. I mean, you know, I think in terms of Bundesliga managerial talent available at this time, I think Dortmund got the best man out there in terms of Marco Rosa. Um, and, and aside from that, there isn't really anybody who I'd say is an obvious candidate. That's why I think Flick makes sense. If you take out the other two really great German managers of, of this era, which is Nagelsmann and Klopp, I think it has to be Flick. And if it isn't Flick, like, like Drew said, it, it's going to be somebody from you know, lower down one of the, somebody from within the setup. And again, maybe thinking about it, the, the other candidate may have been Stefan Kunz, who I have to, whose name I have to be careful saying. Fans recall John Mutson's infamous moment. Um, <laughs> <laughs> YouTube it. But yeah, I, I do think he, he's done really, really well for the Germany under 21 team. If you look at the, if you compare the talent pools in, in the last two tournaments of England and Germany, just as an example, England should have outperformed Germany relatively convincingly, in my opinion. I don't think the Germany team has been blessed with incredible world-class talent. It's had, it's had a couple of great players, don't get me wrong. But England has been, as I said, some really good teams and has gone out in the group stages without a win in the last two tournaments, I believe. Whereas Germany, I think, reached the final two, two years ago and has consistently reached the knockout stages at the very least. And they may go on to do the same again, um, I think, in a couple of weeks' time. Um, so him, so I think I think Crunch has really, really done well with the twenty ones, and he, and he maybe has a case for being the next German manager, particularly maybe the next German manager after um, Flick. Um, but he'd be the only the only person you could you could you could uh, speak about. And again, even him, he, he lacks any kind of uh, club experience really at, at the elite level. So, you know, I, I, you can't deny Flick; he's done everything he needs to do to be given that job. But I think Stefan Kunz would be the the one other man who you could say, okay. He's he's you know he's got his stripes and he's 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 done what he needed to do to get that job. Yeah, definitely. Uh, any other names knocking about for you, Drew? No, I think I, mean, I think that's kind of really it. I think Germany is a national team that's always going to want obviously the, the best possible man for the job at at that time. And again, I think this was before the minute someone like Klopp or Nagelsmann weren't available. I, you know, Flick made the most sense. Um, we we spoke about previously, I think, in the in the WhatsApp a few times about Stefan Kutz. And I think he would have made sense because you have that continuity that you have a man coming through. He's done so well for the under-21s. He'll know a lot of the players that have come into the national team fold fully at, at this point. So he, he'll know some of the some of the lay of land. You know, obviously he knows you know the pipeline. All these kind of things kind of make sense. But one of the key things about keeping um, a national team program consistent is making sure that you still have that steady stream of, of young players coming into the full national team that are still being handled well at under 1994 level. So keeping Kuntz as an interim manager probably makes the most sense for the overall scope of things. Um, from a bias perspective, I think he would have done a pretty good job as, as a national team manager, but I think he's probably best suited for where he currently is and, and where he's probably going to be for, for the foreseeable future. But he would have been the other, only other name that I would have probably, uh, Thrown into the ring if uh, you know if flicked up to the job, but I think for where he is, I think it makes sense for him. Fair enough. Well, next we'll move on to Euro 2020 then, where Germany find themselves in a very difficult Group F, alongside reigning World Cup champions France, reigning European champions Portugal, as well as Hungary, who round out the group. Uh, Bosch Love announced his 26-man squad for the finals just under a week ago now. Uh, and I guess the best way to do this will be to split up the selection somewhat position by position, get both of Drew's and Tom's thoughts, and also mention any notable omissions 
along the way if that works for you two guys yeah all good absolutely not (laughs) (laughs) shocking um well (laughs) let's start in girl then where Bayern Munich's Manuel Neuer surprise surprise has been picked Arsenal's Bernd Lennar and Eintracht Frankfurt's Kevin Trapp with the three players overall chosen. Uh, obviously, Barcelona's Mark andre Stegen is ruled out this summer through injury, which is a notable one to mention. Uh, given that, Drew, welcome to your first correct call on the three keepers. Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, I think we all know who's going to start anyway. Uh, I think it doesn't matter if, if Stegen was available or not. Um, I do think... Uh, again, yeah, given the options available, uh, those three make sense. I think Nor will, but I think this will probably be Norris last tournament as well. I, I, I'd be shocked if um, he's in the running to, to start the next World Cup, to be, to be honest with you. But that might be a little bit of my bias. Not really necessarily saying it's not, but yeah, I think that makes the most sense considering um, you still need that kind of leadership that, that Nora brings to the table. Um, again, continuity is important. I know that Germany are in transition, but still having that that really experienced keeper is is it really is a key for an international tournament especially in a group as difficult as this especially in a tournament as difficult as the euro nor you still makes sense you know despite one or two of my reservations so um anyone you would have included in so no not really again i think they're the they're a solid trio um you've got two good backups there with leno and trap and yeah you might say you know the pair have got a mistake in them, but I think they've had relatively good seasons. Correct me, Drew, if I'm wrong about Leno. I think, generally speaking, he hasn't been too bad. Um, but uh, yeah, again, we all we all know who the starting goalkeeper is going to be, um, Neuer. And, and again, you can't really deny, deny him of that. Uh, it'll be interesting, as Drew said as well, in two years' time to see if he'll keep it. I mean, you, you suspect not, but yeah, I don't think there's any other candidate really leaping out. Um, for me in terms of the goalkeeping area and again I mean uh, something ba- would have to go belly wrong if if Trapp or Leno were playing anyhow so yeah I think I think the right selections for me. Fair enough well over to defenders next and um, we'll go with the centre-backs to begin with uh, move on to full-backs afterwards so through the middle obviously there are a lot of players in this German setup that can cover a multiple of positions but through the middle we have Chelsea's Antonio Rudiger Bayern's Nicolas Sula, Dortmund's Mats Hummels returns after about two and a half years out of contention, uh, Leeds United's Robin Kopp and Gladbach's Matthias Ginter, who can play at right back. Um, Tom, we'll stick with you. What are your thoughts on the centre-back pool that they have at their disposal? Yeah, I, I quite like it. Um, again, there aren't too many notable omissions. Um I think that the one player for me I would have had in there, maybe also, maybe two, but but the one would certainly be um, really Baku. I think Baku's been very good this season. Um, generally speaking, there's been a couple of, of shaky performances, but I think he adds so much going forward as well, and, and it would have been good to see him um, get the nod at fullback or wingback, whatever you want to call it. I guess it depends on, on the system Germany are going to play, um, but I think he's the one player I would have picked. Um and again, it's it's hard to know who to, who to not pick in that regard. But yeah, I, generally speaking, it, it's all the players who've been involved in the in the qualifiers or the or the Nations League. Um, and there's good versatility there, like you mentioned with, with Ginter as well. And of course, Emre Chan, who can come and drop back into the defence or play further forward if needed. So I, I think that there's a good balance to it. And you, you know, I think Germany obviously are missing a couple of leaders from the past and a couple of. You know, people who would. It's it's hard to know really whether Matt Tumbles will play, will start in this tournament because I think there is there are limitations to his game now, um, given his age and against the pacey attacks of France and Portugal. I'm not entirely sure if playing Hummels will be the best decision, um, but at the same time, having his leadership in and around that squad, and having him come back into the fold, I do think it's a really good thing. And it, and you know, there was this whole song and dance that that Love made about getting rid of the senior players. And um, I think he's realising what you lose with that. It isn't merely the performance on the pitch. It probably is a little bit off the pitch. And on the pitch too, when things aren't going your way and you want someone to rally the troops a little bit. So, yeah, I, I think it makes sense. And uh, we, we know that Sula's going to lead the lead the back line. And, and, uh, but there's plenty of competition in and, in and around him. And I think that's good because you, you can play players who are, who are in form essentially and there's a lot of different options so yeah pretty content with that 
I guess the only notable absence at centre-back would maybe be Jonathan Tarr. Would you squeeze him in, Drew, or do you think that's a strong enough pack at the back? No, I think that's strong enough. And yeah, Tarr is an interesting one. He came on so well with Leverkusen, but I think for me, I think, I think he's just become maybe slightly a little bit too inconsistent, maybe both for the national team and for Leverkusen. So I'm not, I guess I'm not surprised he's been admitted. Um, I think it would have been nice to have given some of the qualities that he does bring. I think he can play out of the back quite well. You know, he's got um, some pretty decent pace for a centre-back of his size. You know, he's good in the air. Um, so those are the qualities that you're going to want, obviously. But I, I think for on balance, I think this makes most sense. And uh, building off of what Tom just said, I think someone like Humo's coming in, um, it is important. It's, it's been proven that you still need those those senior figures in the team, even if they're not going to play a ton of minutes. I, I don't think Hummels will start. I think it'll be something like uh, Zula and Ginter, something like that. If they go with the back two, back two might be a little bit different. Yeah, I didn't really go there, obviously, but um, I think you, you need that, you know, that, that again, that leadership quality that he does bring, you know, especially because there are a handful of youngsters that are there. You know, Luciala is there. Um, and a couple other ones. So I, I, I do think that it's going to make a difference. I think you, you still need that. You know, I think they have a nice little core of, um, of older figures in the dressing room, which, which can make a difference, especially, again, given the requirements that they're going to have to hit this summer. You know, France is arguably the tournament favorite. Um, Portugal have, you know, everyone talks about Ronaldo, but their, their actual squad now has improved immeasurably over the last, you know, cycle or two. So um, they're going to be a tough nut as well. So yeah, it's going to be it's a little bit interesting, but I think like, that makes sense. And um, there's probably nothing I would change from center back. Uh, Tom brought up Little Baku, and I was actually really sad <laughs> that he didn't make the squad. I, I absolutely love him. I know that uh, Wolfsburg, he's used a lot as a right winger uh, with uh, Kevin Mbabu at right back. But I think uh, because Baku is versatile, and you, you need versatile players in a squad in a tournament. You can play right, right wing, you can play at right back, you can play in a back two or, uh, or as a traditional fullback, or you can play. Um, in a back five as a wing back, he can even come in centrally sometimes if you need him to. So I think he does give you, I wouldn't call him a Swiss Army knife player, but he gives you a, a presence going forward no matter where he plays. And I think that's something that um, Germany may miss that type of consistency if and when Kimmich is used in midfield. So yeah, I think for me, that's probably my biggest issue with the omissions uh, at the, in the back line completely. Center back, I think is fine. I think a lot of people were calling for Philip Max, but I think he's just so poor defensively. And I think what he does do brilliantly when he does get forward, it, you, you need that, but against a side like France, you know, if he, if he just leaves that left-hand side exposed, uh, I mean, they, France would just absolutely rip Germany apart down that, right? Then that that channel. And same thing with Portugal, to be fair. So I think maybe, just off the type of balance you need from your players. I think that's why someone like a Max isn't there. I think maybe Baku just might be a little too young still yet. Yeah, he only had one cap. Um, you know, so I think moving forward under Flick, I think we'll we'll see more of him, but maybe this tournament just came just maybe a little too soon. But come World Cup, I think he should be in the team for sure. Well, at fullback on either side, uh, Joachim Love has opted to bring uh, Atalanta's Robin Gossens, Leipzig pair, Lucas Klosterman, and Marcel Halstenberg. And there was also a surprise spot for Freiburg's Christian Gunter, which obviously the Twitter fanfare was up uh, for that. A big fan, personally, of that called someone a bit left-wing that people don't really... I think he's been picked, obviously, on merit for his consistency over a number of years now. Uh, Drew, if we stick with you, that quartet there, is it strong enough, though? I <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I, I I don't know if it necessarily is. Uh, I mean, again, it's tricky. If if you, I think for me, one of the biggest struggles of the journey I've had moving forward. First and foremost, I mean, obviously, with with Kimmich coming on as, as such a absolute monster in midfield, you, you kind of have to use him there. I know he he could easily transition back to being as right back, but I think he just brings so much to the table as a midfielder and you see that for Bayern and you've seen that more and more for Germany when he actually has been able to play there. I think, I think he should feature in, in, in the spine. So when you take him out of the equation, Germany are right back to, to almost about score one about how do they move on from not having a, someone like a Philip Lahm in the team. 
Um, and I, I don't think that something like Hustenberger Klassen can fill that that role at all. Um, I do like the Gunter pick. Um, I think, you know, he was, yeah, one, one or two caps tops for the national team. I think it is, I can't, honestly can't remember, but I think he kind of gives you that different option that you need. I think he's he's, he's a balanced fullback. And I think you need that because Germany do have so many good attacking players. They, they have a lot of creativity through the middle as well if, if they're allowed to, to really express themselves in that regard. So I don't think you really need an attacking fullback for Germany. I think you need someone that can get forward and Gunter can get forward quite well when, when he's given the chance to, but he gives you that balance. I think that's kind of what they need. Um, I, I think Gossens, the jury's still out on, on Gossens for me. I kind of feel like sometimes he's the benefactor of how Atalanta play, but I don't think he's a, he's a bad player per se. I think, I think he's a decent fullback. But again, I don't know if you look at him and, and say, you know, uh, I don't think he's necessarily guaranteed to start either. I think there is scope to suggest that Gunter could actually start, you know, the, the first match in, in the group stage, just based off of the uh, by player comparisons. And then, um, yeah, I think you know, Klosterman, Hustenberg, I'm not quite sure. Uh, I, I just kind of feel like, and this is maybe where my, my Baku um, bias comes from again. I, I look at those three and I would take Ritalaka over either Hausenberg or Klosterman. I do think that you maybe you could make the argument that maybe you shouldn't be starting or we could end up seeing uh, Matthias Ginter at right back if they go with a back four uh, instead of a back three. Because of that reason, I don't think they're trusted. I just think maybe they're a little bit more senior. So he's trying to find a little bit of a different balance in the squad. I, I think we've all given up on trying to understand how Yuki Love thinks. So uh, I'm not quite sure which, which direction he wants to go. But yeah, it's I'd probably make the argument that uh, Germany's fullback options are probably, I think it's their biggest weakness in this tournament for me. Um, and whether if it comes to fruition on that level or not, it's another story, but I do think there's a weakness that I think, depending on how it goes match day one, we might have to see a change. So if Kimmich starts match day one in, 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 in midfield and it doesn't go well at right back, you might see him revert back to right back and they might switch to back four instead of back three. We don't know what's going to happen, but I, I do think that's their biggest weakness for me. Well, obviously, we've seen an experiment with three at the back in recent times, Tom. Yeah. Is is that because of this weakness at fullback? Yeah, I think I think it kind of is. Um, it probably is also. I'm, I'm not really sure. I, I suspect that's part of it. Um, but again, the, the problem you kind of have is that if you play that system, you really do need fullbacks who can bomb on and provide something to the attack because you're losing an attacker, and that's where this this that system falls down for me. Is I don't see the fullback selected as giving you that. Um, you know, I think me and Drew are big fans of, of Baku, and I think he's a player who could potentially, and may, maybe in the future, then maybe it is a bit too soon. So that's the the issue with, with playing the back three for me, is I don't think there are dynamic enough fullbacks, and therefore, I guess my preference personally would be to play a four, have more defensive-minded fullbacks in the form, if you want, of Halstenberger. You know, you even put Ginter out there if needed. Um and, and I guess what you do then is you you, you just stick, you know, Kimmich in midfield and, and and be a bit more attack-minded, um, hoping that he can kind of uh, you know, shut down counters and so on and so forth. But, yeah, it is a bit of an odd one. And, again, I, I think it's a system that could, could work for Germany, but I just worry that there's not enough dynamism in the wide areas and there's not maybe good enough crosses to be able to get the best out of the forwards. Um, you know, you're thinking if you're playing, you know, Havertz in there, uh, if he comes, if he starts, if he comes on, you want to make the most of that aerial ability. So, yeah, it, it's a bit of an odd one for me, but clearly, you know, Lerv has has something in mind, and um, you know, hopefully, it works out. Well, given his tendency to start with a central midfield three, albeit he's been experimenting of late, there's obviously quite a few names to reel off here that could make up that starting eleven trio in midfield. So you have uh, Real Madrid's Tony Cruz, Dortmund's Emery Chan. Manchester City's Ilkay Gundogan, Bayern Munich, Per Leon Goretzka and Joshua Kimmich. And lastly, Gladbach's Florian Neuhaus. Would you agree, Tom, that that's definitely the strongest area on the pitch for Germany heading into this one? Yeah, for me, and that area is massive. Um, not just because you have world-class players likely to start, but also because of the players who can come in for them. Um, I think any team in world football that has the likes of... Uh, of Ilkay Gundogan and um, and Florian Neuhaus to be able to come off the bench and make an impact, I think are in a good position indeed. And um, you know, and again, it, it's what we know. These tournaments so often are about form, 
Um, and, and there have been a couple of injury concerns for the likes of, of Goretzka and so on. And so if you can bring in an Elkay Gundogan who is in the form of his career, has just been phenomenal for Manchester City. Um, it's such a luxury to have for, for Germany, um, a luxury that not many other teams have. And so that is the area that I think can give them that extra dimension. Also because they can play in a few different ways too. Um, you know, they, they won a World Cup chiefly by bringing, bringing in this sort of Spanish infusion of, of possession with traditional German intensity. And, and it worked so well. And I think you could see them doing trying something similar this time out because they have the ball players to be able to do that and play possession football. But then they also have the attacking trio to be able to hit teams on the break and play a more counter um, style of football. So I just think that versatility and the, and the different kind of ways they can play, it's because of the midfielders they have and, and the options they have too. And again, you can even bring in Thomas Muller and play him deeper. You can, you know, you can play Havertz and everyone too. There's just a lot of different combination combinations and options, but. I think crucially, like Drew said, for me, this all relies upon Kimmich and whether he plays in, in the sort of sixth position or not. I think you need him there because if you don't have him there, I think it does kind of fall apart a little bit. Uh, we saw at times, you know, Cruz is not getting any younger and, and he can be caught out on the counter and he can be uh, not lapsed defensively, but he can just be, he can be left a bit isolated if he hasn't got somebody like a Casemiro next to him or in this case, Kimmich. And if, if, after the first game, it becomes clear that that Germany are missing something at the fullback, and they have to move Kimmich back to that position. They're going to lose so much in midfield for me, and I worry about just throwing in Goretzka, Gundogan, and Cruz into a midfield and hoping it works. Because for me, you need that base, and you need somebody who can just tie it all together. You know, this season proves more than any more than any the importance of that. We've seen City and Chelsea get to Champions League finals largely because of their two holding midfielders who've played blinders um so that's that's crucial for me for me with germany because i don't without without having Kimmich in there i don't see any other player who can realistically play that position to the same level that germany will need so uh yeah it's 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 where it can be won but it's also where it can be lost if they have to tweak it and, and lose Kimmich and put, put him out wide so it's it's, it's going to be crucial uh the correct choice is made for you there drew in uh the midfield selection. Yeah, I would assume. Uh, it's just, it's going to be one of those things where I kind of feel like, I, I, mean, I know I alluded to it before and, and Tom agrees. I feel like <laughs> there's so much riding on on where and how Kimmich is utilized. And, and again, I know this will probably be my, hopefully one and only hot take of the podcast, but I, I genuinely don't think that Kru should start. And it's not because that he doesn't have a lot to give. You know, you see him still maybe Kindle's form this year for Real Madrid. Um, but the last two tournaments for Germany, Cruz has been one of Germany's worst players. Um, and That's he, harsh. I think it's, <laughs> I, I, I th- I, it's, I think it's harsh, but I think if you, if you look back at the World Cup in particular, you see, he did score that goal against Sweden. And I think that's absolutely brilliant. But I think he was one of the chief issues that Germany had in midfield. And it's not just down to him, obviously. I think it was down to a lot of the, the tactics deployed as well. Because when he does get isolated, he's borderline hopeless. I think you've kind of you touched on that time. He does need that ball winner next to him or behind him. So it was, it was yeah. Kimmich, he gives you that. But I do think part of Kimmich's game that makes him so good is that he's not just a ball winner. He's We've seen the type of uh, deep creativity he can provide. And that's kind of what Cruz's bread and butter is. So do you need both of them able to do that? I kind of feel like the, the balance for this tournament would given the group, I think it would make more sense if you had something like a Goretzka and Kimmich partnering each other in midfield. Um, you get a little bit better pace with Goretzka, you get um, a little bit more ingenuity. You're, uh, you're getting probably a, a better on balance, uh, a different goal threat from deep for the lit runs in those areas. Goretzka is so good at that. It gives a, a, another dimension to Germany's tactics where um, you know, Kind of throwing a span in the works at somebody else's deployment. I think he's just more of a wild card and, and in a good sense. I think with Cruz, you know what you're getting. He's going to recycle play. He can ping a decent pass. He's good on set pieces. But I think Germany needs a little bit more than that. I think you already get that with Kimmich anyway. So I think Gretzky kind of, I think just makes more sense to kind of go with what's been working so well for Bayern since they formed that strong partnership. I think for me, if you look at a lot of the sides, 
that have won international tournaments, both at World Cups and, and Euros and Copa Americas over the, you know, the last however many, you know, called the last decade, there's usually been some sort of central partnership, whether it's been at the back or if it's been the midfield, or if you have a front two or front three that play well together, that that really can kick a national team on. I think Commission Gretzky can be that for Germany, you know, despite the other, um, you know, buying players in the squad, I think if you're thinking about the spine particularly, and then the way that Kimmich uh, and, and Sula have that understanding, you know, then you can move further forward and say, do you play Thomas Miller at 10? Then you already have that Bayern spine that performs so well as a unit and have that understanding, why wouldn't you utilize that? So I know I, I'm, I'm kind of moving forward a little bit unintentionally, but I think the, the, the options that have been selected, I think make the most sense. I just think that this might be a tournament where the calls made for the 11 have to be more about what's currently happening rather than what has happened in the past. You know, I, you know, Cruz has what, 101 caps to his name. So he's been an absolutely brilliant servant for the national team. He's he had a brilliant career at Bayern. He's been phenomenal for him over the years. But at some point you have to look at it and say, well, he's, he's done great, but what do we need now? What makes the most sense now? And when you look at some of the teams that Germany have to play against, the mobility that these teams have, not just with the forwards, but also in midfield, you can look at it and say, well, is Cruz the right man for the job? So I know that's kind of a, my hot take done, but I think if Germany are gonna have a decent tournament this season, I, this summer, I think that bold calls need to be made. I think that might have to be one of them, you know, but that's just- Do you agree with that hot take, Tom? Um, I, I sort of do. Um, I, I'm not entirely sure that I'd I'd have the bottle to, to start the first game without him, simply because you know he can pull a goal against, like he did against Sweden, out, out of nowhere, or or a pass like he did against Liverpool in the Champions League, and and you know you know you know your head's going to be on a pike if if you lose that first game and Cruz isn't there. But I do think Drew makes plenty of good, good and valid points, and, and that you could have that that real sort of buy-in um, uh, core to the team, and we know how well they work together. And again, for me. The ace in the pack is really Ilkay Gundogan, who, you know, I, I did a piece about him in um, in the Modern Footballer. There's a little plug for you, um, and I basically just spoke about how I really think he can be something different for Germany in there. That that ability to get a goal when they need it, I think he can. I don't know. He, he just offers so much and, and so much intelligent play in an attacking capacity, and, and so for me, I think I'd be tempted to play Gundogan in there, maybe with Goretzka and Kimmich, maybe. You, know, you put in a, a, a Muller there as well, so he'd be the player that, that I probably would go for if you weren't playing Tony Cruz. And I, I know it's it's going to be hard for Love to not do that, and I think he will because he's been such a loyal servant to to Love um, down the years. But for me, Gundogan is is the player who who you could put in there if you're not going to play Cruz. And and again, I think I'd be very tempted to because of just the creativity and the movement and the goals that he can bring a team. Also, real fast, think of it this way. Los job's not on the line. He's finished after this tournament. So making a big call and maybe it, having it come back to bite him doesn't harm him all that much. I know that might be a little bit controversial, but it's not like he's fighting for his job. Yeah, and I think I think that's, I think that's one of the beauties of them of them announcing it is he can just go into the tournament with a bit of freedom, uh, yeah, exactly. knowing that you know this is a bit of a free license. And again, I mean, I know that the last German game was a disastrous defeat against Macedonia, but crucially, Gundogan did captain the team and he did score in that game. And I think mm. that is a little maybe indication that you know Love realizes this is a player in the form of his career who's never really gone to a tournament in top form or free from injuries and finally you got him here ready to do that and ready to be that man so I think it could be an interesting selection choice. Just a quick one I forgot to mention it right at the start what did you make of the timing of Hansi Flick's uh, announcement Tom? Again like I said I think it does make a lot of sense because it just it gives it it, it makes the players aware that okay whatever happens this isn't going to be Love's tournament it isn't as if we're just like we're playing to keep him in the job or or I think it just it, it leaves everybody on the same page as to what's going to happen, and it's not always the worst thing in the world to announce this. I think it was '96 with England when they announced that Venables was leaving, and, and it got the very best out of the the England team because they wanted to play for him, and they they knew it was his last tournament. And I don't think these German players want to be known as the players who let down this legendary manager. I know I know we, we all deride um, you know Jurgen Love, and rightly so at times. 
but he is a legendary manager in terms of what he's done for Germany over the past decade or even more so. And he will go down as that, as having won a World Cup with Germany. And so you want to be part of that squad that gives him a good send-off. And again, it's my belief that winning the tournament might just be a bridge too far, um, given some of the, the limitations in the squad. But I think they can definitely do a good, do a good job and get to the semis or the final even and really give him a good send-off and, and one that he deserves, I think. And, you know, it, it just there's, there's no pressure for him as a manager now. You know this is your last tournament and you can just do it as you want and not have to worry about media backlash or you know, what, what the DFL thinks of it. And again, I think for the players, it's good too, because they know, you know, that it's going to be a fresh start once he's gone, but that this is a great opportunity to give a, a great manager a send-off. And um, yeah, and again, there's a lot of new players who who haven't been through all the, the traumatic moments of the past with Germany and can just play this tournament as they want. So I think it makes sense. And again, it just, it's good for the fans too, because it's 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 a bit of a free hit. I mean, with Germany, it's different from with England and with other nations because there is so much expectation. They're expected to win it. It isn't like a surprise when they do. But I think there's a realization this time around that they aren't the favourites. That they go into the tournament with pretty bad form, and therefore this is as much of a free hit as you get when you're a German team. You know, so for me, I don't have too much of an issue with it. Fair enough. Well, lastly, we have the forward group, many of whom can play a variety of positions in that final third of Chelsea Dewar, Timo Werner and Kai Havertz, Gladbach, Jonas Hoffman, Monaco's Kevin Volland, who's had a great first season in French football after his move from Leverkusen. And we've got Bayern Munich represented four times through Serge Gnabry, Leroy Sane, the returning Thomas Muller and youngster Jamal Musiala. Plenty of different ways to go up front, isn't it, Drew? Oh, man, there is. This is probably what I'm most excited about. I know we, we talk about Germany's strength in midfield and, and justifiably so, but I think for me, um, how good the forward line can be if they're clicking could be probably one of the most dynamic of the tournament, you know, bar obviously France and uh, maybe one or two others. England comes to mind. I know that, you know, probably for the first time, I think expectations for England to make a final are actually pretty big considering some of the players that they have on offer. But I think for me, again, this kind of almost goes back to my um, thought process of, I think you have to go what, with what's mm-hmm. been working, with what's understood at club level. And I think just for me, you have to go something like a Serge Gnabry and, and Lee Zane um, and Thomas Muller in the attack. And then who you pick as a forward depends on maybe what you want to do, who your opponent is. You know, Obviously, you could go with Werner, um, Havertz has proven that he can play as a nine, both at Leverkusen and, and, and now as he's done that at Chelsea more and more in the second half of the season. Um, but it wouldn't, it'd be interesting to see if Valland uh, actually makes the 11 or, or pushes for it because I think he's been fantastic since going to, to France for starters. Um, and I think he was always one of those underspoken about players when he was in, in, in Bundesliga still. I do think he has a lot to give, not just in terms of his capability of scoring goals but um he's good with link-up play he's industrious um he wants to bring other than you know he, he presses well like these are other qualities that maybe um it wouldn't surprise me if maybe he was pushing for a starting place i'm not quite sure what will happen but i do think that having that trio of uh and, and Müller makes the most sense i think from an attacking standpoint and that's kind of almost probably why i think that um i have the opinion i do about the midfield I, we don't know if Germany's going to go with a back three or if they're going to go with a you know four two three one or something of that ilk. But I think if they go with a midfield pair, I th- think you have to, to to look at the fact that if you take one midfielder out of it, then that could cause you problems with certain players. And I think you have to look at the, the cost analysis of um, what the, the the most balanced level makes sense. I think if, you, if you're looking for players that are in form um, that give you what you need. Um, in terms of uh, tactical requirements, you know, uh, technical craft, um, the ability to both score goals, create. Um, yeah, I, I think you look at, look at the fourth thing, Germany, really, they, they have to play it at the forward strengths this summer. I think if they do that, then I think, you know, they might be able to reverse it with the poor form you've seen from them, you know, over the last uh, maybe six, 12 months overall. Um, I think that has to include, you know, those three players I mentioned, but I'm excited for that. I, I'd love to see you know, those two players kick on and really have a good time. Yeah, well, obviously Thomas Moore's inclusion kind of stole the headlines. He's been out of the fold for about two and a half years, I believe. Tom, how big's his 
inclusion not only in terms of performance on the field, but also just giving that boost to morale around the squad? Yeah, I think it's huge. Um, we know <clears throat> back in 2014, the influence he had, um, like you mentioned, on and off the pitch from the first game, I think, against Portugal, where he was just, he was fabulous. And and, and I don't know if I expect him to be the, the same kind of talisman this time around, given his age, um, but I do expect him to play football. And I, I wouldn't surprise me at all if he started the first game, simply because you know what you're going to get. And again, he's, he's, he's in a way undeniable, given the form he's had for, for Bayern this season. I mean, you look at the the amount of assists, I think he's got some of the most assists in Europe of any player, if I'm not wrong on that um, stat. But I guess that's part of the issue, though, is that you think with Muller, the kind of synergy he has with a player like Lewandowski, you aren't going to really get that with a player in the squad. Um, you know, Drew's mentioned um, a lot of the options that they're on attack. And again, I think, you know, I think the, the talent of Sonny and, and Gnabry is undeniable, and those two could light the tournament up very easily. But I do worry about the lack of a, of a proper number nine. I think the teams that do well this this summer are going to be the ones who have a proven and reliable goal scorer, whether that be Kane with England, um, you know, Lukaku with Belgium, <clears throat> even like a Ronaldo slash Jota for Portugal, somebody who you know can get you the goals. And that may well be Canabri. It may well even be a team of Werner, but I just I just can't see it at the minute. And I, I worry what the what the, the approach is going to be in terms of, of having a forward or not. I, I guess if it was me, I, I'd probably just choose to play Volland there as well, because I'm a big fan of Kevin Volland, similar with Drew. I think he's been overlooked for so long, even at Leverkusen, where for me, he consist- consistently put in some pretty good performances and has showed an eye for a goal time and time again. And I'd basically just play a bit of a false nine kind of thing. And I think I'd put him in there and, and let him link up with the, with Canabri and, and Sané and try and get the best out of those two. Um, because the lack of a, of a real goal scorer for me is a bit of a concern. Um, but again, you know, maybe Muller can be the man who steps up and and uh, and, and becomes that almost uh, the sort of de facto goal scorer by just being in the right place at the right time, like he's done time and time again for Bayern Munich. So it, it's a tricky one. I, I do worry slightly about the lack of a, of a proven goal scorer, but there's more than enough talent there to make up for that. Um, we know that teams that win tournaments don't often have a, a goal scoring striker. You know, famously Giroud with France two years ago. So. Yeah, it remains to be seen. I think there's a lot of question marks. Uh, I think there's question marks too about Sané's form and, and whether he can he can deliver for Germany and whether he'll even start the first game. Um, I, know, I know that um, Löw experiment, experimented a bit with playing Havertz in that front three. I think that could work at times in the tournament. But yeah, I, I do think in terms of a presence, just having Müller in there is huge. How much it will add in terms of on-the-pitch results and... How much he can add as a player, I'm not entirely sure yet. I need to see if he can form those links with with Gnabry and, and Sane for the national team, like he has them for the club. Because for me, that that's the big question. Really, is uh, is can those players make up for a lack of a of a real clinical goal scorer and somebody whose movement will open up games in the same way that Lewandowski does for for Bayern? Um, but yeah, plenty of promise, and you know, hopefully, um, those players are fit and firing. Well, that's the admin out of the way, so to speak. So now on to the fun part, I guess you'd say. Where to round off this week's episode, all three of us are going to name our starting 11s for Germany that we'd like to see, maybe with a tinge of what we expect to see in just over three weeks' time. I think for the purpose of this, I don't know if you two will agree with this, but probably go with a 4-3-3 setup or a 4-2-3-1 setup. I would imagine that perhaps he will given how badly the three at the back setup has gone in recent times, he may go back to that. I don't know if you two agree with that. Yeah, I think I'd agree. I I, I know we, we we just spent time before talking about his ability to maybe take the reins off and experiment a bit, but I think you still need that that base to perform on. I think obviously 4-2-3-1 or 4-3-3 makes the most sense just given the options that he's taken um, and the form shown when he's used it back to. So yeah, I would, I'd probably agree with that. Well, maybe so it's easier to follow. We'll go position by position again, starting in there. And I'm assuming that this is going to be a unanimous three-peat for Manuel Neuer. Yeah. Yep. That was nice and easy. <laughs> <laughs> Drew, we'll let you go first with your centre-back pairing. Uh, uh, well, because I, I feel that I think Kimmich needs to play in midfield, so I think we're going to end up seeing 
um, something like uh, Zula and Rudiger at center back, um, because I think Ginter will end up playing at right back. Um, I have no idea who, I think uh, Gossens might play left back, but uh, so I just go straight for the back four. I think that'll be, I think, you know, Gossens, Zula, Rudiger, and then and Ginter will be the back four. I've got the exact same back four. Um, serve I, serve <laughs> <laughs> Nice and easy. <laughs> well, in midfield then, I guess if we revert back to that midfield trio that Germany are almost famous for from past tournaments, um, I think I'll jump in here first. I I would like to see, personally, I'd like to see Kimmich holding Goretzka on one side and Ilkay Gundogan on the other. I don't know what you two have for your picks. Go to you first, Tom. Again, same here. I've gone Kimmich, Gund- uh, Kimmich Gundogan and uh, Goretzka. Just because Drew's kind of swayed me with Cruz. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like I was, He was in my team before, but he makes some valid points, so I'm going to go for that. If, if Cruz was to come into there, who would he be in place of you? Um, I think it would probably have to be Gundogan, just simply because I worry about legs. And uh, with Goretzka, you know, you're going to get plenty of um, plenty of energy and plenty of muscle. <clears throat> Sorry, something in my throat. Plenty of muscle. Um, I'm sure, which I'm sure isn't Jubis at all. But yeah, that's the three for me. And um, yeah, I, I just I, I worry about playing both of those because they're both creative. Neither is brilliant defensively. So I think I. I Kimmich and Goretzka, as long as they're fit, those will be the two for me that absolutely start. And then it's a bit of a flip-up between Cruz versus Gundogan. But I think Gundogan can give you goals as well from midfield. So I think I'll go for him. Drew, who are your three in there? Uh, well, I'm leaning towards 4 2 3 one So I think it should just be Kimmich and Goretzka. Again, I've kind of mentioned it before. I just think it, given the, the partnership they've formed in midfield for Bayern, I think you you have to make that a central core piece of, of anything you want to achieve this summer. I think they're brilliant together. Um, again, Kimmich is so good at, at being a ball winner and linking uh, you know the back the back line to midfield. But again, he has he has a deeper creativity about him. We've seen it time and again. I think uh, as Tom mentioned, Greska gives you that physicality in midfield. He does give you the legs. Um, he does add goals. So, you know, he's I think he has only three or four fewer goals than uh than Cruz in his Germany career for on 70 less matches so I think he's he's a bigger goal threat um multifaceted goal threat um and I think it just gives you a, a better balance so for me that's what I would go with the midfield too with that fair enough well moving forward we'll go through three all together uh Drew we'll stick with you since you went last last time uh here we are three Oh, it'll be it'll be the four. Oh, so oh, yeah, no, that's okay. Um, so I I, I do think um, going with Zane is maybe a little gutsy because on his day, I think we can all agree he's 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 a phenomenal player. But his day, a lot of the times, just does not happen. I, I think he has the potential to be brilliant as a tournament. I think he, he gives you that threat of just knowing he his, he's there, knowing that his, his pace and technical craft is there, can do something like pin uh, Benjamin Pavard back a little bit, just because you have to be wary of it. So I would still start in my eye. So I'm going to go with uh, Zane and Gnabry on the flanks, uh, Muller at 10. And I think I would go with Valen as nine, because I think he's he's more balanced. I, I don't know if I would stick Havertz there just yet. I think there's scope for it, because again, he's more of a balanced center forward option than someone like a Werner, who I rate Timo Werner, I think we all do, but he does have limitations. And if you're going to go with wingers like Zane and Gnabry, I don't think you go with someone like Werner as a nine. Valen, he's, again, he's Dutchess, he can sit deeper, he can be creative, he can win you the ball in the high press. Um, he can combine play with someone like a Muller or bring someone like a, a Gnabry Zane into play when they kind of cut in from those flanks. So um, I think I, I would start Valen there. So that would be my front four. I like it. Uh, Tom, over to you, Fios. Yeah, I think I pretty much go for the same front three. Obviously, I'm going for a 4-3-3 rather than Drew's 4-2-3-1. Um, but yeah, I, I'm sort of on the fence. Uh, yeah, I, I could flip the coin between Folland and Havertz for me because I, I would probably play Havertz there in some games that suit that. And we're not playing against a high line. Um, and we sort of need a goal against the, maybe against the Hungary. I think Havertz could thrive in that kind of game because he's good in tight spaces. He's a good header of the ball. Um, I, I think I'd like him in there. But I think for the most part, and for games where Germany might be pinned back a bit, I would like to see Folland. I think he just offers you so much, and he'd link up brilliantly. I, I believe with with Sané and Gnabry, and those two, if they're fit, they pick themselves. I, I know there are, there are issues with with Sané, 
um, as Drew mentioned. But yeah, I think you have to go for for the players who are proven in terms of their ability, and they're just match winners on their day. That you know they, they just are. So yeah, I, I think I'd go with Drew, and I, I'd give the nod to to Volland just. Interesting. I've gone slightly different. Um, similarly, on each wing, I'd go Sane and uh, Nabry for the Bayern Munich one too. Probably make it a three and go with Thomas Muller as like a false nine. That is interesting. And it's it's a bit of a different role for him. But I think especially in games against France and Portugal, where you're going to have Ronaldo, Mbappe and Co. pushing him back, I just think that he can offer a different sort of link-up play that could get the best out of Nabra and Sane, given how they've played this season with him in that cam position. Obviously yet to be seen if that's an option sort of thing, or if Joachim Miller would go with him in that position. Obviously, his inclusion and his experience, I just think that that could be a better option than perhaps a Volland in the two big games in particular. Kind of speaking of them games, we'll finish off tonight with our predictions. Obviously mentioned it's France, Portugal, Hungary in the group. I believe the fixtures go in that order as well. France first, Portugal second, Hungary last. Um, Tom, how do you think the whole tournament's going to go for Germany? And where would you expect them to get to this summer? I think they can realistically reach the semi-finals. I don't know if they will, um, because it's such a tough group. And again, we, we might go on to talk about it, but even the Hungary game is no foregone conclusion. It's the opposition that Germany typically does struggle against. If you look at the last couple of tournaments, um, just to break them down. And again, that then that may be an issue again. Um, but again, I, I do think they'll get through, even if it is third, and then I can see them coming through that game. And it's really, really tricky to say because you don't know how all these uh, outside factors will influence things from the announcement of Flick to it being Love's last tournament, you know, to a couple of first-team players maybe not having full fitness. Um, but yeah, I, I do think, semi-finals is probably as far as they can get I just don't yeah it's so tough because it's Germany and you look at the squad on paper and you're like no this is a team that can win it but uh, yeah for me if I was to put a prediction on I think I would say quarterfinals slash semi-finals um, they can get through the group most certainly they're against in my opinion the two favorites in Portugal and and France, I really, really rate this Portugal team. I think from front to back, there is quality in there and there's enough around that quality to get them far in this tournament. Um, so it's going to be really, really tough. Uh, but I think they'll get out of the group and I think they can make it to the semifinals. But it's going to need to be a, a sort of clinical, typically Germany-style performance where they just get the result. You know, and it, it doesn't need to look pretty. It doesn't need to be free-flowing and a 7-1 against Brazil every week. It just needs to be functional. And we know that's what Germany can do when they're at their best. Through your predictions? Uh, may have a second hot take in the cup. Uh, I'm not <laughs> well, quite sure. As well. <laughs> it's, it's tricky because I, as we talk about pre-recording that, uh, obviously they have, I think they have a, a bit more quality through certain players, but Hungary reminds me of how Greece did in, in 2004, where they have one or two players that, can really shine but they're such a workhorse type of unit and again as we all agree that's the type of uh, side that Germany do struggle with but Germany don't have them until the third match of the group they open against France and then they have Portugal so I think I mean if Germany run out and, and lose to France on, in, in the first in the first group match and, and say presumably Portugal win you're looking at Germany almost defining their tournament just right there I think it's a, it's a one of the extremes. I think Germany are going to have a brilliant tournament. Are they going to reach the semifinals minimum, if not the finals, or they're going to struggle in the group stage and, and get knocked out in the first knockout round? I think it's. I don't think there's going to be any in between. And I, I, it's weird because, as, as Tom said, you look at the squad and for 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 talent, it's it's one of the the top ones of the tournament. I don't think anyone can really deny that. But the X factor is and has been Jurgen Lowe for a while now. He's had really good squads before, and we've seen how poorly Germany performed throughout. You know, you have things like qualifying. You have the last World Cup. You know, it's, it doesn't matter the talent that he's had on offer for him to control. It's been about how he's utilized it. So that for me makes them hard to analyze overall. I I, I it's tough. I think for me. 
because I'm forced to say, I, I don't think they'll get past the quarterfinals. Um, I just, yeah, I just, I just kind of feel like, I know it's, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a last hurrah for him and he's got a lot of talent on the team, but he has yet to show that he can, he's really able to, to, to be progressive enough with an increasing progressive talent pool of players to really get the best out of Germany's side that should be doing so much better. So I, I think at, at best Germany will do quarterfinals, but it wouldn't surprise me if they finished third and, and got one of the best third place pathways into the group, into, into the knockout round, because I'm with Tom, I think no one's talking about Portugal this summer, but everybody probably should be. I think they have a very, very good balanced team where it's not just about Ronaldo anymore. There's so many good characters that aren't even just supporting characters, they're just good characters in their own right. And then obviously France, the headliners, you know, I think France are probably everyone's pre-tournament favorite. Um, justifiably so when you look at that, when you look at that team. So yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if something like that occurred. So that I'll stick with that. I know it might not be popular for people to listen to, but <laughs> I'm not here to be popular, I guess. <laughs> uh, I'm afraid I would most likely agree with you, Drew, on that. I can imagine, maybe we'll just do a little bit on the individual fixtures after this, but if I kind of start that off I I can see two losses against France and Portugal and a win against Hungary which would obviously more than likely see them through in the third place um, playoff sort of system I believe it's four of the six third place teams go through yeah um, but obviously it would depend on who they get out in that knockout round and it just seems coming into this tournament, unlike some of the favourites who maybe they were obviously come up against, you, you never know, it's going to work out. But it just seems, even from an individual standpoint, the players like Timo Werner, maybe not Kai Havertz as such, but there's some players in there that have really struggled this season. I just think, as we spoke about throughout this, the transition period um, that the country's going through with the national team, I, I can imagine a third place finish in the group and knocked out of the first knockout round personally how do you both if we go to you drew how do you see the three games panning out in terms of just victory draw loss sort of thing i mean i'm inclined to i really am inclined to agree i i don't know the only thing i could i would argue is maybe france might come out a little bit a little bit lax just because they don't want to throw a precaution to win on, on, on match day one against what is traditionally a, a powerhouse in Germany and then end up with the result they don't want. Um, but also France, France are just, they have the potential to be so good this tournament. So I, I don't think that's a possibility. I, I, I would not be surprised if Germany lost to France and Portugal. And then, you know, presumably Hungary has, here's the thing though, presumably Hungary has similar results go their way then Germany are in a must-win situation against Hungary on, on the last group of the, of the group stage. Could you imagine if they just, if Hungary just outworked them to a result? And we've seen that in, in tournaments before, not with Germany, but just in general. Um, so it's tricky, but I, 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 yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they ended up with just one win in, in the group and, and, and getting one of the best third place, because you'd have to imagine that they'd be at least as good as three of the other teams that, that finished third. Um, and they would make it through that way. And I'm not quite sure where they would end up in the, in the tree. I know there's, there's multiple positions they could, they could end up being if that was what was to happen. But I just look at some of the, I'll just say it quick. I, I, you look at some of their fixtures that we've seen in the past. They lost to North Macedonia, which no one here can say is acceptable on any level. But even when you look back to the wins that they've had, they didn't impress against Romania when it beat Romania 1-0. They, they beat Iceland comfortably on the scoreboard, but were we impressed with that performance either? They got slapped by Spain, you know, even when you look back at the, the Ukraine and Czech Republic results, no one was ever truly impressed with how they've been playing. For over the last 10 to 12 fixtures we've seen Germany play, no one has, has come away from those, even the wins, and had a lot of positives. So they're, and maybe that's what they need. Maybe they don't need that pressure this summer. So maybe we're all going to be proven dead wrong, and I'd love it. I'd love it if, if Germany proved me wrong and actually walked the group you know, unexpectedly and, and made it to the final, but on strength and on form, I, I just don't see it yet. I think Love has to do a lot of soul searching rapidly if he wants to get the best out of this team and if they're going to perform. I, yeah, I, I do think they'll only what with a one, one, and three and have to rely on being one of the best third place teams. But again, I've been proven wrong for sure. 
They beat uh, the mighty Northern Ireland, though, Drew. <laughs> they did. Perhaps them. <laughs> yes, they I was, was going to say, is he a, a bit more positivity from you, Tom? There is. There is. Not too much more. I still think that there are problems. I still, again, it's just uh, genuinely any other group, I, I do think Germany would do fairly well. But I rate Portugal so highly. And France are just a team full of monsters in terms of, indivi- in terms of indiv- individual talents and the ability to produce when it matters. But I do think there are some things that could work in Germany's favour. I, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world to be starting against, against France. Um, they can be slow starters. You know, I recall in 2018 and, and again, 2016 too, it did take them a little while to get going. You know, eventually they, they reached the final in 2016 they won the 2018 world cup and by the end of it they were cooking you know in terms of uh in the final against croatia but they, they can be a bit stuttery and they can struggle a little bit to get going and germany could capitalize on that i think with just being organized keeping organized you know suppressing uh mbappe in the way that city did so well um not city uh not past my train of thought but yeah like I, I just think you need to you just need to kind of get a point out of that game do your very best to, to shut France down you know um, neither side are going to want to commit too much in that first game because they know the the, the, the consequence of losing the game in a, in, a, in, a, in a tournament where you can get through finishing third you do not want a loss you, you can salvage a point um, and I don't think either side is going to be over committing too much um, and again it's not an unbeatable France side it's a very very good France side but the champions you don't know how that's going to affect it. Champions of the world, sorry, not Europe. Um, and again, I, yeah, I just think playing them first is, is a good opportunity to to maybe ca- capitalise a little bit if France are slow out of the blocks. I think Portugal is going to be a struggle because I, I do rate them tremendously highly. And again, then it's it's all down to Hungary probably in the last game. Um, and it's going to take a while for them to break Hungary down. And you never know, they might get caught on the, on the counter, you know, they might have an off day. But I would expect them to get that, that job done. I think there's more than enough quality in, and, and there are players in that team who who don't mind necessarily playing against teams with a low block and who are stubborn. Um, you know, so I, I think they will get the job done eventually. And then if you can just build a little bit of confidence off that hungry game and get into the knockout stages and maybe get a bit of a favorable favorable draw. Um, you, you never know from there, and and again, this this is Germany, and I, I know that the modern day German team isn't quite the same as it has been historically. But if you can just find something that works, like, like I said before, even if it isn't the prettiest, if you can just find a way of playing that works, and just grind out the results, as they have done really in in many of the qualifiers. You know, aside from the Spanish result, generally speaking, they've hung in games even when they haven't played well, and they've they've got the wins when they when they've needed to. So. Yeah, again, I, I'm not saying that Germany are the best team. I don't think they've got the best manager or that they're going to play the best football, but they can most certainly get to the semifinals just by finding a way of playing and just by by just getting the wins, essentially, um, in whatever way they need to, you know? Definitely. Well, I think that'll conclude tonight's episode of the Yet German Football News podcast. A big thanks to both Drew and Tom for all their help and expertise. As always, remember to follow us on Twitter to keep up to date with all things German football. And in terms of this podcast, we're striving to make this back into a weekly routine again once a new season kicks off later in the summer. Before then, there'll be content as well, I'm sure. But in the meantime, stay safe and thanks for tuning in.